Has God ever said no to you? My experience is when God tells me no, it's because he's got something greater to give me than what I ask for. That's happened over and over in life. And I'm sure you can recall times when he said no, and a little later on, you were so glad he said no. <laughs> you saw what it would have led to. You saw what, what could have happened. Or you saw the greater thing that God gave you. That's the way our God is. He's such a great God. And he wants to give us so many wonderful things that we don't open our eyes to see or we don't make up our mind to receive. And so we find that oftentimes we are the one who hurts ourselves. <laughs> uh, he, he is hurting us. We're hurting ourselves so many different times. And I'm glad today for the songs that uh, Brother Randy felt led to put into the service. But I must tell you that I've been blessed by the songs, especially as it talked about Calvary. And as it talked about what uh, the Lord did for me, and it made my heart glad. But then it also brought tears to my eyes because the thought comes into my heart, I did not deserve any of what he did. I did not deserve it, and yet out of his love, he gave that to me. That's grace. And I'm so grateful for that grace today. That grace is still available to every person that hears the message of the Lord. It's still available to every child of God because everything that we have received is by the very grace of God. The things that have blessed our lives, the things that has kept us alive, the things that keeps us going, they're all through the grace of God, and I am grateful for that. And now we come to the time when God wants to speak to our hearts and to our lives, and I'm praying that every heart will be open. I'm praying that your ears are really tuned in to hear that your mind is set to receive what God has to give to us because I truly believe every time that we come together, God has something to say to every person who gathers in the church or with the church, every person. He doesn't waste his breath. When he speaks, he talks about things and it comes to pass. He doesn't come back into your void. It accomplishes the purpose for which God has sent it. And there's no need for us to think about those who are not here today and say, oh boy, I wish they'd have been here. No, we have to think about this. God is speaking to us because he knew who was going to be here at this very service. He knew not only that you were going to be here, he knew exactly where you were going to sit. And I know some of you are creatures of habit, and I am too. And you try to sit in the same place, but sometimes you get moved around a little bit. God knew that. He knew that was going to take place. That's how well God knows us. Would you open your Bibles to the book of Mark, and would you turn to the 12th chapter, find verse 28. We're going to read this passage of Scripture that kind of sets the tone for what is taking place in this passage of Scripture, which in turn kind of gives us the text from which we will draw the sermon today. Chapter 12, verse 28. And when you find that, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's Word? And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? 
And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any question. Father, we pray your blessing upon the reading of God's word. We pray your blessing upon the receiving hearts, O God, that they may be open to hear and may be quick to respond to that which you lay claim to in truth today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture is set in a context. And in the context, you look even a little bit before where we begin to read. And you can even look a little bit after so that you can see what is taking place. Jesus had been really teaching the people. And as he taught the people, there were those who came forth to ask questions. Now, some of the questions may have been legitimate. Some of the questions may have been uh, set out by people to try to trap him in his words and thoughts. But for whatever reason, he must have answered them in a very, very good way. Because now comes the scribe, if you notice in verse 28. And a scribe is one who studied the law of God. And in studying the law of God, he became an expert in the law of God. In fact, he taught the law of God to the people because he understood what the law said. And when he asked the question of Jesus, he said, which is the first, com uh, the first commandment of all? He asked that question very sincerely, and Jesus answered him straightforwardly and very sincerely. And you heard it as we read it a moment ago, and it's about loving God with everything you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you notice, the scribe then responded back to Jesus, said, you have said it well. You have really said it well. You said the truth. For there's one God and there's no other but He. And to love Him with all you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself is more than all burnt offerings or whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You remember the Lord told us it's better for us to obey than it is to sacrifice. Now the words that He gave about loving had to do with our loving of God and giving it everything we got, not holding back. We sometimes try to hold back. I've heard people say, I'm never going to love again. I've been hurt so many times. I'm just not going to reach it. I know someone very close to me who at one time said, I'm never going to put myself out there again. I've been hurt enough. But I know that person, after a while, love conquered. Love that was given, love that was shared, and the way that they were treated conquered and they begin to love again to put themselves out there and to reach out in love towards others love is something that every person needs we all need love we're looking for love 
We're looking for real love, not like the world has love today. The world has love unless you hurt my feelings, you know. The world has love unless you do something that hurts one of my kids. The world has love unless uh, something is, is said that I really didn't like. Love for the world is a fleeting kind of thing. It comes and it goes. But I want you to know that the love of God never, ever changes. And the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here is the love that God gives to us when we believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Up to that time, we don't have that kind of love. For the love that he's talking about is the sacrificial love that he has for you and I that Jesus showed for us when he went to Calvary's cross. It is a love that never, ever dies. When he talks about love never dying in the Word of God, that's the kind of love that he's talking about. Love really doesn't die. And if we ever get to that place where we look at somebody and say, I don't love you anymore, we might as well uh, look in the mirror and say to ourselves, we have just deviated from what God has desired for us to be. We have just told a lie because love does not die. We might tell the truth and say, I never loved you to start with. That might be the real truth. Sometimes we're infatuated. Sometimes we're uh, in lust and we're not in love. And that kind of thing dies away. But God is showing his love and he's showing how important it is for our life not only to love our God with everything we got, but to love our neighbor as ourself. And we can't get away from that because of what God has said about it, about loving our neighbor. And we have to remember that that's really any person that we are shoulder to shoulder with, any person that's close to us, any person that we encounter is the persons that he is talking about. No matter what we might think of their, of their dress or what we might think of the way they act or what we might think of, of what they do in life, we are to love them. And I guess the greatest example is because God loved us. This is who we were before we met Jesus. And we sometimes forget that, that that's who we were. So let's keep that in mind. When we think about this scribe, he had come and he had talked with Jesus. And when he, he, he heard what Jesus had to say, he spoke back to Jesus. And he said, Master said, you've spoken well. You've told the truth. And he reiterated what he had said. And Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. Or we find out that what he is really talking about, he answered him with intelligence something that's well thought through, something that he knew was the truth. He said, he answered him, and he saw that, and he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. That's the text. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Did you notice that he did not say to him, now you're in the kingdom of God? I noticed that. I noticed that he said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Sometimes you're almost close enough to reach something, and it's just out of reach. James, you ever been there when you're trying to repair something, you're trying to reach in to get it, and you just couldn't hardly reach it? You got close. Couldn't bend your arm. Couldn't get up in there. Couldn't get hold of it. Try as you might, or you might hit a fingertip on it. You almost got it. Not quite. Some of you might remember when you were in school. And you remember that the teacher was trying to teach you something, and you could almost understand it, but there was just something that, that didn't seem right, and you didn't quite get it. Well, you know when you get the test and you don't quite get it, you don't get that question right, do you? You're really close, 
but you don't quite get it right. That's where this man was now. That's what Jesus said. said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. In this room today, there's two different types of people. One, who know that they're in the kingdom of God. There's no doubt about it. I know whom I have believed. I know he's going to keep that which I've entrusted unto him until that final day. I know that I'm saved. I know what Jesus said. I know what the word of God said. I know that I have trusted in him. And I know that I'm a child of God. I'm in the kingdom. And there are those that are not in the kingdom. They're not far from the kingdom of God. They're not far. They're real close to the kingdom of God like this man was. This man was one of God's chosen people from the Old Testament. And remember, they still had the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. He knew what he believed. He knew what the Word of God said. He knew how he had obeyed the Word of God. And so he was very close to the kingdom of God. And as he probably thought, I'm one of God's children, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with God. And yet Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He could have just said, you're not there yet. Because that's where he was. And I believe with all my heart there are people that are here today that are just not there yet. You may be not far, but you haven't made it. Now, bear with me just a moment. Any of us who knows the Lord can go to any place that we normally go with people that are around us and just casually ask them this. Are you a Christian? And why? And you're going to get a variety of answers. We've asked this question in different ways. I've got a lot of different answers, Brother Randy, over the years. Sometimes people will say, well, my name's on the church road. So surely I'm a Christian. They'll say, well, you know, they don't, don't let anybody put their name on the church row. Are you sure? <laughs> because my name is on that church row. But what if my name's not on the roll in heaven? It doesn't matter how many churches my name's on their road. And then someone will say, when I ask them, are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized when? They don't answer the question about their Christianity or accepting Christ. I was baptized. I was baptized. I was put under the water. You know. So I, I, surely I'm a Christian. Others will say, well, I've lived a good life. Now, just suppose you're a husband, that you're a father. Suppose that you've got a family, and you take good care of your family. You work hard. You pay your bills. You put food on the table. You do right by them. You're involved in their lives. You're leading them what you think is a good life, whatever that might be. And you think, because I've been good, that everything's going to be all right, and surely I'm a Christian but all those answers are not right biblically. We have to read the Word of God. We have to look and see what God's Word has to say. These people are scripturally lost, separated from God, not fulfilling the purpose of God, not recognizing God as the Lord of life, 
not realizing that or following after him. And there are some real reasons why people are in this place. And, and some of those reasons might be that they have heard the Word of God and, and they have rejected the Word of God. They've walked away from it for whatever reason. They've heard it preached time after time. Uh, they've heard people talk about the Lordship of Jesus. They've heard people talk about others uh, that are saved and themselves that have come to know the Lord. And they have heard that time after time, and yet they have walked away from it, not quite receptive to it. They've been around the influence of a Christian home. Uh, they have had Christian parents or grandparents or, or, or Christian cousins or Christian brothers or sisters who've witnessed to them time after time, and, and they've hardened their heart, and, and they've walked away. I want you to understand. The Word of God says we need to make it clear. And today I want to make it clear that being not far from the kingdom of God is still to be lost, separated from God, unsaved, unforgiven, still walking with great crowds of people. And we think sometimes, and I guess we're fond of saying in America, the majority can't be wrong. Majority of the world is lost without Jesus going to the devil's hell, walking together, thinking we're all right, we're with everybody we know and love. The Bible said that broad road ends in destruction, absolute destruction. We can be with great numbers of people, and yet we can be wrong. We think we're right, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. We know that's true. We understand that, absolutely. Now, just to make it clear about this, uh, not being far from the kingdom and still being lost, uh, and let me remind you, that's a most perilous position to be in. Because we're never sure if we're going to get our next breath. We're never sure we're going to live for another day. Those things like that are uncertain for us. But there is one thing for certain. It's appointed unto man wants to die. After this, the judgment. That's certain. And we know that. So let's think about this. If you've got your own business, and you come to the end of the year like we did just a few weeks ago, and you start getting a balance sheet those of you who have business know what I'm talking about. Those who don't, just wait for another illustration that's coming. <laughs> you start to get that balance sheet, and you find out when you reach the end of putting it all together that your liabilities do not equal your assets. You're coming up short. Even by one cent, you're not solvent. You're close, but you're not solvent. Unless somebody infuses some cash in there, you're not going to be solvent in that business. And you know that. You're coming up short. You're almost there, but not quite. And then let's think about this. What about your character? You know, your character is who you are when no one else is around. Let's think about your character. If you're in a position of trust, and in that position of trust, you take one dollar that is not yours. And you use it for yourself. You almost have character. You're not far from it. 
but it won't fly with you. You don't have character. Now, a way we're going to know that is this. If you took anything in a position of trust and you went to apply for a job and this came to light, they wouldn't hire you. Why? That person don't have any character. They should have been honest and truthful and not taken anything that was not theirs. We come close, not far from having character, but we missed the mark, didn't we? And then there's some people, and you, it may be you in this room, I don't know, but I've known several people over the years that are perpetually late for everything. We had a guy when I was in, in uh, Carrollton, Georgia, pastoring. If we were going to leave at 2 o'clock, we'd have to tell him 1.30. He was always late. We were singing, the, the, the choir was singing the last song before the preaching when he and his family would come in the church. Maybe I should have told this to the first service. <laughs> See, in the choir, I say a lot of people come in late at the first service. And I think, mm. I've gone to churches where the time wouldn't be told to me right, and I would get there too late. I just turn around and go home. <laughs> I say, I'm not going in late. I'm just not going to do it. Faye knows that about me. But some people are so late, they're late for everything. They'd get up and they'd go to the airport. They'd check in and find out it's too late. The plane just left. <laughs> they'd go to the bus stop and they'd see the taillights going down the road. That's, that's what these people are, and they're perpetually late. They miss appointments. They, find, they get to that place and the person says, I'm sorry, I've got another appointment. You've missed yours. They might as well have just stayed home, right? Because they were almost on time, but not quite. They were not far from it. And I'm wondering what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And somebody says, Lord, I was planning on making my decision today. He said, it's too late. Wasn't far from it. Miss it by a day. Miss it by an hour. I'm talking about some serious stuff here because I'm talking life and death. I'm talking about reality. That God loves us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us in the kingdom of God. He's made every provision for us to be in the kingdom of God. Everything is set. Everything is ready. And you're hearing about the kingdom of God. And you're hearing about how to get in the kingdom of God. And he said, you're not far from it, but something has to be done about our mind and our hearts, about our commitment to the Lord, not just knowing that there is a God. Not just knowing that there is a Jesus. When I was a child, I knew there was a God. I'd been around people that knew there was a God, that taught that there was a God. I'd been in Sunday school and been taught about Jesus. I even knew a lot of the facts about Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and raised again the third day. I knew those facts. But you know what? I wasn't a child of God. Not until one day when God spoke to my heart and I felt the conviction of the truth of the fact, number one, I was lost and separated from God and I was on my way to hell. 
I heard the truth of God, but, that, that, but there is a, a resolution to this problem. There is a way to solve this problem, and that way is through Jesus Christ. When I heard that, I, I think that those words, you know, when the Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. It got through to my old hard head and my old hard heart, and it melted it, and I saw myself as I really was. And that was the moment that I did what uh, the, the Scripture teaches us to do, and that is there had to be a choice that was made. And I chose to turn away from the things of the world and turn toward God through Christ Jesus. That's the choice that is made. We have to act on that which we have heard. We can hear it and then go on our way and never be changed, just forgetting about what has just been revealed to us. Or we can do something about it. Because that's what God wants us to do. God did His part. And we've got to make our choice. We've got to make our choice. God has already made every provision. Now, I want you to know something. Just coming to church is not going to save you. You can occupy the pews every week. That's not what's going to save you. You can listen to every sermon with that preacher preaching can't save you. Never have. I've heard people say, oh, well, that preacher saved me. No, no preacher ever saves. Preachers preach the Word of God. Preachers share the Word of salvation. Preachers pray, uh, pray, uh, present and, and preach to you the message that God gives to them. But we have to accept what Jesus did on the cross. That's why when I sing songs like we sang today, and I see what he did, I know that I wasn't worthy, but God didn't reach out to me because I was worthy. He reached out to me in grace because he loved me. And he reaches out to you in grace because he loves you. He does not want you to go to this place called hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. He doesn't want you to suffer through eternity. He wants to have fellowship with you in eternity. That's what he wants and desires for you. But you have to trust Jesus, have to receive the sacrifice Jesus made, believing that when he died on that cross, he died for you. Because that's what he did. He died for you. He knew your name even then. And he knew that he was paying the price for your sin and my sin, not his sin, because he was sinless. Okay, preacher, then if we're going to obey and we're going to have Jesus, how do we do that? I'm glad the Bible teaches us the answer to that question and gives it to us so simple that even a child can understand it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, is that simple? Anybody find that complicated? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But we need to add the next verse to it. For with a heart... Man believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. When Jesus comes in, we confess what Jesus has done in our heart and in our life. I confess my sin of unbelief to God. Sin now. I talked to the first service this morning about the difference in sin 
and sins. We see people doing awful things in our world. We, and oftentimes I've heard people say, man, just look at them. All those sins, no wonder they're lost. No, listen, folks. What's wrong is the heart is not right. What's wrong is they're already lost. And all of the way they're living out that lostness produces those sins that you see. When you really remedy the heart problem by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you get that right, when He becomes the Lord of your life, those other things fall away. They're talked about in the writings of the Apostle Paul. The things of the world, the things of Satan, the things that cause you to be looked upon by others and say, oh, they're a terrible person. Those things begin to remedy because you put them to death. You put them out of your life. And you add the things that are righteous, the things that are good, the good works that God talks about in the books of Ephesians. This is what we find. We need a remedy for the heart, and that is receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is it that we confess that God has raised Him from the dead? For we're serving a risen Savior. And it's part of what must be believed in order for salvation to take place. I have a Savior who is alive. I have a Savior who can hear my prayers. I have a Savior who can reach down because His arm is not shortened and He can touch my life and He can reach out and He can bring discernment to my heart. And I have a Savior who loves me enough that when I was saved and when you were saved, if you're truly saved, He put the Holy Spirit in your life and He seals your life until the time when He's going to come back for you and me. And that seal is His earnest saying, I meant what I said. I'm giving you a part of myself. He will live within you. He will lead you by His Spirit. He will he'll help you to understand the Word of God. You'll have a discerning mind because the Spirit enlightens you to understand. Why? Because He wants to also lead you. We are led by this same Holy Spirit so we can make decisions about where to go and what to do, how we are to act, or the things that we are to decide, uh, the manner of our life. Sometimes it's a matter of when to keep our mouth shut and when to open our mouth. Sometimes it's a matter of, okay, you can say that, but let's change the tone. The Holy Spirit leads you. And, and the Holy Spirit does something else to you as a child of God or in you as a child of God. When you disobey the Word of God and you disobey the Spirit's leadership, the Spirit of God will bring conviction into the life of a child of God. And that is the correction that God brings. And who does he say he corrects? His children. You correct your children, right? He corrects us if we're his children. If we can do that continually and he never corrects us, never brings conviction, we're not his child. He convicts his children of wrong when they're wrong. And thereby he shows us he really does love us. Because his purpose in bringing that conviction is to bring us back to walking and following Him. When we do something wrong, we're not following Him. When your children disobey your commands, they're not following you. And you know that. Now, some of you will correct them. Some of them will slap them on the hand and say, Don't do that anymore. I won't tell you again. And they do it a dozen times. I won't tell you again. I won't tell you again. I hear that in the grocery store a lot. I done told you, I'm not going to tell you again. I said, quit lying. 
And the more you do that, the more they're going to disobey because they're going to say, I think I can get away with it again. They think, they lied to me last time. They probably won't do anything this time. When God corrects us, he means business. He's not fooling around. How many of you ever had a good old-fashioned spiritual whipping from God? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm just transparent. Some of you, you know, some of you have said, yeah, you are, and most of you lying if you're children of God. He's got you sometime. You know why I know that? Because not one of us are perfect yet. We make mistakes. We make wrong decisions. We do wrong things. But you know the wonderful thing about our God is, no matter how many times we do this and prove ourselves unfaithful, our God remains faithful, James. And we can't be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus according to the Word of God. So he's going to keep on loving us. Now I know that there are times when my children disobeyed and I'd look at my wife and say, these are your kids. <laughs> or I'd say, whose kids are these? Or I'd say, man, I wish they weren't mine. But you know, that don't last long. And I never stopped loving them. Had to correct them sometime. Did they like it? No. Did you like it when you were corrected? No. But you look back as an adult now, and you recognize that it had a great part in making you who you are today, forming your character. Because correction is meant to bring you back to the right path. The right path is a, for a Christian is following Jesus. When we disobey, we've turned aside. We've wandered off the path. We need some correction to get back on the path. And sometimes we've got to be convicted and convinced that we are on the wrong path. I've watched people walking in woods or walking uh, through wilderness areas and they would come to a fort and, and there'd be a disagreement among the people. Do we take the right fork or the left fork? And maybe the right fork is the right one and they decide to take the left and, and they feel like they're right and, and it takes some convincing for them to realize, hey, I'm going the wrong way. And have you ever gone the wrong way on a road? <laughs> I think Glenda Becker said, yeah. You had to turn around and go back, retract your steps, make the right turn. That's like our life, isn't it? That's exactly like our life. That's what we need to understand. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And when a person really begins to trust Jesus and confesses the living Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God does a wonderful work. And now he says, you're not, uh, you're, you have ceased to be far away or very close and not far. You've ceased all of that. You've entered into the kingdom of God. And when you do that, you know it. You, you experience that. Now, I recognize that people that are here today, that if you don't know Jesus, you're probably already thinking in your heart, in your mind, well, that sounds plausible. That sounds right. But I'm just not ready. When you witness to people, have they ever told you I'm not ready? Or have you witnessed to people? Maybe I should ask that question. If you witness to people, sooner or later, you're going to hear some people say, that sounds good, but I'm just not ready. There's 
three instances in the Bible that I want to draw your attention to. Because we are in those times of life where sometimes you can make a quick decision, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it, it's uh, who are you with and, and what is taking place in your life. But we have to think about this. God has given us an opportunity this morning to change our lives completely. It's like a new day dawning in your heart, dawning in your life. Old things passed away, all things becoming new. Sins forgiven, walking in righteousness. Walking in darkness, walking in light. That's the opportunity that God has given us. In Mark chapter 10, there's an instance of a person who came to Jesus. He's called the rich young ruler. He was a ruler in the land of Israel. And he was rich. He had a lot of money. He had riches. All of the money might not have been just money. It might have been cattle. It might have been sheep. It might have been other goods. I don't know what he did other than that he was one of the rulers. And he wanted to know what he had to do to inherit this eternal life that Jesus had been talking about. Now Jesus gave him this answer. Sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it was brought to our attention in Sunday school class. Maybe he wouldn't have had to give away everything he had, but he had to be willing to do it, didn't he? He had to take the steps of obedience. But he wasn't willing to do it. And the Bible said he went away sorrowfully. He really wanted to be in the kingdom of God, but he really wanted his riches. He didn't want to give them up. He didn't want to make that commitment. And you may be here today and, and you're thinking about, I'll have to give this up, I'll have to give that up, I'll have to do this or that. Listen, becoming a child of God is not about giving up something. It's about gaining something. It's about gaining a life everlasting. It's about gaining a place in heaven in the presence of God. It's about gaining. It's not about giving up. The things you give up, you will give up voluntarily because you'll find out the things that are not like Jesus, you don't want in your life. And that only comes when you get saved. You think about it now, it sounds like you're giving up something. No, what you do is you're making room for better things. You ever make room for better things in your house? Have to throw out the old, bring in the new? You got that old broken down mattress? Makes your back hurt? You don't even enjoy going to bed at night because it hurts? Well, you, you know what? Until you throw out the old, you got no room for the new, do you? When we throw out the old, the old man, the one that desired the things of the world, when you get rid of him, he wants you to fill up your life with the things of God the new man has in that relationship with God, that relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the relationship of the body where every part contributes to every other part of the body. Now there's a second place. We find the story of where Jesus went across the sea. He landed at a place called the Gadarenes. And there was a, an incident that was taking place there because there was a man who was not in his right mind who was in the tombs 
at night he would be heard screaming, he would be heard hollering, he would be uh, seen attacking anyone who came around. And the town that lived around there was a town that was in fear. And when Jesus came and this man came out, Jesus cast the demons out of him. And where he had been running around tearing his clothes off and just making a general nuisance and, and an evil person out of himself, now he was clothed and in his right mind. And the people of the town came out and they saw this man sitting in his right mind. They tried everything to subdue him. They'd tried chains. They'd tried leather fetters. Everything, and he broke them. He was strong, and he was dangerous. But now he was cured. Now he was in his right mind. You would think the people of the town would open their arms for Jesus to come in, right? If you can do that, then you can really help our town. But they said, you go. We don't want you in our coast. You get out. Did they have people that needed to be healed? Absolutely. Did they have people who needed to hear the Word of God? Absolutely. And those people never heard it because they pushed him away and would not receive him in. What about you today? Are you going to push him away and not receive him in that you might have life and have it more abundantly? And then there's the place in the Word of God where Paul was being tried by a ruler named Felix. And as he was being accused of all kinds of things, he didn't make any excuses for any of those things. He simply preached the gospel of salvation in Jesus with great fervency before Felix. And it moved Felix. It moved him that he, he looked at this and he said, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. You go your way and at a more convenient time, I'll call you and hear this again. Scripturally, there was no place that any of those scripture incidents I have talked about where these people ever again were called by the Lord and beckoned forward by the Holy Spirit and convicted of the truth of God's Word. They rejected the goodness of God. What are you going to do with the goodness of God in Jesus today? What are you going to do with it? Because that's what it comes down to, isn't it? We've heard it. Now those